0: The Bible tells the truth about who God is, who we are, and how God has saved us through the person and work of Christ. Now hear that middle part again. The Bible tells the truth about who we are. There is no effort made in the Bible to sugarcoat the human experience. The Bible does not blow sunshine at us, and it does not cover up the mistakes and missteps of its principal characters. The Bible shows us the good the bad, and the ugly. And this chapter is ugly. I said in our last episode that Genesis chapter 33 is one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible, and it is. And here it is, side by side with one of the ugliest chapters in the Bible. That's how you know this is a divine book. No human being would put it together this way. This story does not reflect well on Jacob or his sons, the people we call the 12 patriarchs of Israel. If Israel made his own religious book, its own religious book, this story would not be in it. But it is, because God made this book. God made this book to teach us about him, about us, and about how he saves us through the person and work of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Now, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. Now, I'm just going to interrupt here to say that the name is pronounced Dina in Hebrew, but I'm going to switch over and carry on just saying Dinah, because that's how we pronounce that name in our culture. Uh, Dinah went out to see the women of the land. Now, we've already mentioned that Jacob has been taking his sweet time in getting to Bethel. He set up a sheep ranch in Succoth, and then he set up a business area in Shechem, which was a crossroads in a market town. Jacob is seeing to his own business before attending to the call of the Lord. He's not disobeying. He's just moving very, very, very slowly, and it costs him. Like his second cousin, Lot, Jacob is exposing his family to spiritual, social, and here we see even sexual risk because of his desire to increase his own wealth and holdings. Derek Kidner remarks here, by halting his own pilgrimage, Jacob was endangering others more vulnerable than himself. Now, Matthew Henry puts more of the blame on Dinah herself. He says, note, the pride and vanity of young people betray them into many snares. Henry remarks that she went out to see and also to be seen. She was interested in petty things and, as a result, found her way into trouble. While there may be some truth to Henry's perspective, I'm inclined to side with Kidner here and put the blame on Jacob. It is a father's responsibility to put his children's spiritual well being ahead of his own financial well being. Lot made that mistake and Jacob should have learned from it. Now, I don't doubt that Dinah was silly and attracted to foolish things. She was only 15 years old in this story, and teenagers are by definition silly and foolish and attracted to nonsensical things. It is the responsibility of parents to account for that and to protect them from that. Regardless of whose fault it was for letting her go, she went and terrible things happened as a result. Verse 2 says, And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn, drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now, as I said, this is one of the ugliest stories in the Bible, The Bible records the truth about who we are as people. It tells us what we're capable of. In Genesis 4, we we learn that we are capable of murder, and here we learn that we are capable of rape. There's an awful lot of evil bound up in the heart of human beings, and we see that in this story. Notice that the young man Shechem imagined himself to be in love with Dinah. He raped her, but then he wanted to marry her that is very different from what we see in 2 Samuel 13. I don't know if you remember that story. In that story, Amnon thought himself in love with his half-sister Tamar. So he pretended to be sick, and he got her to bring, her, or bring him some food while he was lying sick in bed. And then he sent all the servants out of the room so that they could be alone. And verse 10 of that story says, Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. She answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king. For he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. So in that story, Amnon raped Tamar and afterwards hated her. Here, in our story, Shechem raped Dinah and afterwards wanted to marry her. Now, just note that there is no fixed or logical pattern in terms of the lusts and violence of men. There are many roads into rape and many reactions to rape. But note this very well, it is always an ugly Grievous and unconscionable sin. Whether you think yourself in love, whether you fancy that you might get married, whether, what, whatever you are thinking, it is sin. It's an act of violence and violation, and it demands redress. Verse five says, "Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with the livestock in the field, so." Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it, and the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please, Give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. Take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us, and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it, and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife." Here we see the young man and his father trying to arrange a marriage with the young woman that has been defiled. Notice that there is no repentance, no confession of sin, no remorse, only a pathetic explanation. The soul of my son longs for your daughter. Notice also that there is an attempt to buy Jacob off, dwell with us, trade with us, get rich with us. Now, Jacob, for some reason, is not in the forefront of these negotiations. Perhaps he was consoling Dinah or Leah or both. We don't know. Verse 13 says, The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. Now, notice that Jacob has passed his sins onto his sons. Jacob has been slow to move to Bethel. He has been slow to mortify the sin in his own life. And those two failures now conspire to make a horrible situation even worse. Verse 14 says, They said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this occasion will we agree with you on this condition, will we agree with you? That you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you. We will take your daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives. Let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us, to become one people, when every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out to the gate of the city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Now, listen, however much you may sympathize with Dinah's brothers, this was not right. Rape is a crime. The boy should have been punished. There should have been some sort of trial. And when he was found guilty, there should have been an appropriate sentence, possibly even a death sentence. But to butcher an entire village and to take numerous wives and children captive, this was over the top. This was to meet sin with more sin. Now, however typical this sort of retribution was in that day and age, it was wrong. And the Bible says that it was wrong. Most of us don't realize it, but the principle of lex talionis, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, was actually intended to outlaw this very thing. The principle of lex talionis said that the punishment had to fit the crime. If a man raped a woman, then he had a trial and you killed that man. He didn't butcher the whole village. One crime one punishment, and the punishment had to be proportionate to the crime. If the crime involved a tooth, then the punishment should be at the level of the tooth. If the crime involved an eye, then the punishment should be at the level of the eye. Butchering a village to avenge a rape is disproportionate. All that will do is invite further disproportionate reprisals. Jacob sees that. Verse 30 says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the parasites. My numbers are few. And if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Jacob has made a mess, and his sons have made it worse. Jacob may be blessed, but he is not yet a blessing to the nations. The good news is that God isn't finished with him yet. In the very next verse, the first verse of chapter 35, God says, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Once again, God intervenes to get Jacob back on track. He does not abandon us to our sin and stupid. He lets us see the cost, but then he comes again and he speaks a word of correction and rebuke. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you've appreciated the Into of the Word ministry, I'd like to personally invite you to pay it forward by supporting a mission project that is very close to my heart. The Letha Daycare Outreach Project is a church-based educational program designed to teach literacy, support low-income families, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with boys and girls in rural South Africa. I've seen this project with my own eyes. I have shaken the hands of parents whose families have been helped. I have heard the songs and Bible verses out of the mouths of some of these dear children as they have been taught and helped to put their trust in the Lord. And nothing would be more gratifying to me than for you to show your appreciation for In of the Word by investing in these little ones. You can do that in one of two ways. You can give through the End of the Word app or by visiting the Into the Word website at IntoTheWord.ca. Just click on the Give tab, and you'll find giving options for both Canadian and American listeners. This is a registered project with ABWE Canada and ABWE USA, so tax receipts are available to all eligible donors. Just identify where you're listening from and click on the Fund button and select Letha Daycare Outreach.